You're listening to Flipping Tables on Sunrise Robot. Find out how you can support us at sunriserobot.net slash support. Hey, welcome to Flipping Tables, episode 94. I'm one of your hosts, David Lyons. And I'm your other host, Michael Edwards. And uh, I think last time we promised I was going to talk a little bit about 6P, so we're going to lead with the my Nexus 6P experiences. And I'm I'm kind of happy to say it's not all gushing. There are a couple of things that I find obnoxious, but let's start with the gushing. <laughs> so for one thing, it's not a Samsung device. I've been Ooh. using... I loved my Nexus S, which was a Samsung-made phone, but I've had two Samsung phones now, and... Uh, in the old, in the bad old days when rooting was still the only way to go, I rooted and I installed custom firmware and I did all that noise. And with this phone, I had a, a six or an S six, not a six S, similar but different. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I just couldn't get over the fact that there were so much little things that they changed. So in the show notes, I linked to uh, a couple articles about like, oh, you can replace Samsung apps with these better alternatives. And almost all of them are like the normal Google apps. So there's that, which is obnoxious because you can't uninstall <laughs> any of those Samsung apps. You're just stuck with them forever. And then the thing that really bugged me the most was they made changes to OS level features that not only could you not change because it's like baked into that version of Android, but they're worse <laughs> so you like bright green settings shade stuff or well i mean the colors i don't really love their their palette choice but the fact that they actually changed the notification shade like is this where you can really maximize your effect as a device manufacturer samsung <laughs> a branded notification shade like oh look our icons are slightly different than other people's icons when you turn your wi-fi on and off no one ever turns their wi-fi off <laughs> you don't need to spend time customizing that icon <laughs> And then uh, the lock screen, you know, they have a, a, a branded lock screen or, well, it's not branded, I guess, but like it's touchways. You can't undo it. Um, the the dialer. The, <laughs> I, Google has... You spend a lot of time in your dialer? <laughs> enough that it was annoying. Conference calls? Yeah. I mean, I also, I use my cell phone for work because I'm, I'm a remote employee, remote life. But <laughs> the thing that bugged me about the dialer is... Google had actually over time baked some cool search goodness into their dialer. So not only was it like clean and slick looking, but you have like universal caller ID because it uses Google search on the backside. So if it's a business, you get the business name, you know, it, it integrates really tight with your contacts. Another thing they needlessly customized, <laughs> like, oh, we, we gave you our own contacts app. And I'm like, okay, back to the 6P. So Samsung <laughs> sucks. Got it. <laughs> yes. So all of that, I don't know when this would have stopped if you weren't here to like talk <laughs> me off the edge. Um, it's really big. It is actually quite a bit larger than my, my previous phone or any phone I've ever owned. Um, but it's not intolerably big except for the fact that i am left-handed so <laughs> here's what i want to ask you if you take your phone off of a table so it's not in your pocket like it's on a table where you could reach out with either hand which hand would you pick it up with my left hand and you are right-handed yeah yes so the placement of the power and volume buttons are obviously around a right-handed person picking the phone up 
because when I pick the phone up, my thumb is like right. My right thumb is directly over both of those buttons. So I have to like pinch grab it with like the palm of my hand and my fingertips. <laughs> and I mean, it's, it's this is not a huge deal. Like I might need some pictures of this <laughs> of my wacky grab. Yeah. Um, it's it's not. You know, I mean, I'm, I've been left-handed my whole life. I'm used to the world not being designed for me, but it's really, really obvious that it was designed for a right-handed person. Um, another thing they did that I just find frustrating is uh, they put the fingerprint sensor on the back, which is awesome. That's not the frustrating part. The frustrating part is where they placed it means you want your phone top-down in your pocket. So you reach in, and as yeah. you're pulling it out, oh my god, it unlocked! Like it's, <laughs> it was amazing because my finger was naturally right in that location. Like the the placement of that thing is genius. The headphones jack is on the top of the phone. <laughs> <laughs> so if I have headphones in, I want my phone to be you know top yeah, up. You don't want to ruin the edge of your headphone <laughs> right. jack. And then if I have if I don't have headphones in, I want it to be top down, which is now like. Do I really want the mental baggage of remembering the orientation of my phone in my pocket? No, of course not. So it's just, oh, you're nodding. Yes, you would actually do this. <laughs> yes, yes. Waste precious brain space with this. Um, but the the fingerprint reader, like, I was pretty happy with the one on the S6. Uh, I know the iPhone one is super good. The one on my iPad is super fast. Um, I think the Nexus one is actually the best I've ever used which isn't a slight against the iPhone because the iPhone and the iPad one is already like more than good enough fast. Like I never have to think about it. It always works. Um, the Nexus one is just, I guess, as good. You almost forget that it's doing a check on your fingerprint. Well, this is the thing on, on the, the Samsung one and on the iPhone as well, you actually are doing it on the home button. So you could, whether you meant to or not, hit the home button, which would wake the screen up, right? And then it also unlocks super fast. The power button wakes the screen on the Nexus, but the fingerprint reader doesn't. So if you put your finger there and the screen lights up, it's already unlocked. You never even see the lock screen, which isn't a testament to the speed of the fingerprint reader. It's just since it's been divorced from any other functionality, it either works 100% or the rare miss. And I've had exceptionally few misses. It's been really, really good. Uh, what else? The screen is amazing. I do really kind of love that. And there's just enough room for front-facing speakers, which is one of those things that I became spoiled on so much faster than I thought I would. Mm -hmm. um, especially, like, if I set my iPad down to listen to, uh, like, a YouTube video or something, it sounds like the it, it's coming straight out of the back now like by comparison even though it's actually the grills on the bottom i don't i don't know if i could go back to a phone without front facing speakers yeah well htc's been you know their problems aside have been good at that too just having the stereo front speaker kind of thing yeah i think that was a big feature on the m7 and they've continued yeah. it on since then um, I'd love to hear you talk about camera because one of the, the things that's kind of plagued Nexus phones is mediocre cameras and people kind of were driven to Samsung when they wanted more quality cameras. That is something my S6 did right. That camera, even though it the focus, like if you were trying to take a picture of something really close, the focus was slow, um, but the camera loaded pretty fast. It took really good pictures. 
I actually haven't used the 6P camera that much. Um, I took a few snapshots. Uh, they look good. They're, it works really well in low light compared to the older Nexus phones, which always, always looked like crap. Yeah, my my Nexus 4 took shitty pictures. Oh, they were so bad. They were so, so bad. Um, if you were out in like a bright, sunny day in San Francisco riding your bike to the co-op, then yeah, everything looked great. But if you were in like any other setting, they just looked terrible. Um, what I'm actually anxious to play around with a little bit is this is the first phone I've ever owned that can do 240. Is it 240 or 120 slow speed? Um, both of those tend to be slow speeds. 240 is even better, even more, more slow. I think it does the same amount as the iPhone six. So what does that one do? Uh, I think it's up to 240. Okay. So, cause I, I think it's in parallel with that. But I'm just excited. And then when I was like, oh, cool, I'm going to have a phone that does super slow-mo. And then like all tech, you know, excitement, I was like, and I don't really have any practical reason for this. And you're like, I haven't found a fire hydrant in public that's going crazy. (laughs) That's true. Maybe I just need to like cause a terrible accident. And then I can be off to the side and be like, oh, look, I happen to have my phone set up and ready to go. Well, my brother, and we'll include a link, just uh, posted uh, the Lion King 2 because he has two orange cats, like like a kitten and an older one, and they were fighting, and he got some slow-mo footage of them <laughs> just swiping at each other. And uh, he posted to YouTube already 1,000 views. So Dang. The internet loves cats. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or is that just you re-watching it 1,000 times? That's just me hitting refresh. Yeah. No. I wonder, YouTube's got to be smart about that, right? No, I guess they wouldn't be because that still counts as a view, which is what they care about. One, br- yeah, I just checked; he's up to eleven hundred. Dang, we the show notes will make this blow up even more. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, I, I have a kid, and I I would love to get some slow motion footage of her playing, but she kind of knows exactly what we're doing when we point a camera in her direction, or well, a phone in her direction, and she then stops. And, and like wants to engage with it. And part of it is... You need some Google Glass so she doesn't know. I, this is what I'm saying. The minute I had a kid, I was like, I understand Google Glass now. Like I always heard people talk about that. And I remember like trying to imagine, but like now having a kid running around that I'm playing with and like we were just... Today we were outside. We had our first ever snowball fight and I pulled her on a sled in the snow for the first time. Like I would have loved to have that on camera, but... I w- what was I going to do? Like stop and take out my camera. And then she's now just staring at the camera. And what I really want is her like looking around and laughing and giggling. It's yeah, not just deer in headlights. What is dad doing? <laughs> yeah. And part of this is my own fault. Cause when I do travel, um, we've done like hangouts with her and she went from having no idea what was happening to understanding that she was talking to me like really fast. Like she, I'm, it's still, you know, kind of fuzzy cause she's two, but you know, she'll like address me. She'll tell me like what she did and like wait for me to respond. Like she still understands that it's a conversation, even if she doesn't know why I'm trapped in that little box. But <laughs> overall, I'm really happy with it. I'm really happy to be back on to vanilla Android. Um, I swore the last time would be the last time, but this <laughs> time might actually be the last time. I don't know if I'll be able to ever go back unless it's like a Motorola style where it's like, yeah, we, we yeah. just added Pixar animations and that's about it. But then again, Motorola is starting to be crappy on updates. So it's like, ah, you know, 
Yeah, there is that. And and I think as an Android person, you resign yourself to like, well, I'll get the new update whenever <laughs> I get it. But at least... <laughs> or never. Or, or never. Whatever. But at least with vanilla Android, there's so much that's now baked into play services that you're just kind of like, well... Even if I never get the update, it's still something, right? I'm still enjoying it. Now you just need hardware encryption. Uh, they've had that. 6P? I think so. Oh, do you mean like a dedicated chip instead of uh, software Yeah, encryption? I read that the... I don't know about the 6P. I know the 5X like takes a huge hit if you turn on encryption. Like everything gets slower. Hmm. My, if I remember correctly... In starting with either six or like five, five one or five one one or whatever, um, encryption was on by default. So presumably, yeah. when I took this phone out of the box, encryption was on, and I'm very happy with the performance. So if encryption is on, then it's performing fine, whether it's software or hardware. Yeah, um, just some quick googling. Looks like it is software based. Looks like it's better than hardware encryption, according to developers. Yeah. Whatever, we can revisit this. <laughs> but I, I'm happy with the performance. So was, I'm if it's yeah. if it's secure and it's performing well, then I mean I don't care. Like whatever, just yeah. secure it in a way that doesn't make me want to kill myself. Also, uh, calling it calling it software encryption doesn't mean as bad as it used to mean always because. Even though it's software-based, uh, the ARM chips are starting to build in instruction sets that help this be faster anyway. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's a really weird problem because this is the kind of stuff that reminds me that I don't really get super low-level hardware. Like, I'm very much <laughs> an abstractions-on-the-desktop kind of guy. So when people say, like, oh, well... It's faster in software here because this chip is optimized for that kind of software. But over here, it's better in hardware because we want to, you know, fence those into their own little processing space, kind of like a graphics processing unit. And I'm like, well, I understood the graphics processing unit part, <laughs> but there was a lot leading up to that. <laughs> Overall, it's a uh, it's a keeper. Oh, I should talk about USB C. Um, oh yeah, it's freaking great. It's uh, it's bigger than I thought it'd be. Actually, the the plug <laughs> itself is quite a bit larger than micro USB or even a lightning cable. Um, I mean, it's not like reversible. That's the magic trick, right? <laughs> and and it's it's reversible. Um, it comes with a quick charger, so I can't do my super lazy throw it down on a wireless charging pad and be like, charge now. <laughs> but it charges, I think, seventy percent in like thirty minutes. It's really, really, really fast. Yeah. And the phone itself has uh, Doze, which if uh, if you haven't been keeping up with this, uh, they determined that most people like get to work and then put their phone down and then don't pick it up for like seven hours, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. or you pick it up and then you set it right back down. So it's uh, it recognizes, hey, nobody's doing anything with me, so I'm just going to like power down. And I actually tested it the first night I got it. And I think I got 38 hours of battery life with like intermittent use. But the thing is, whenever I wasn't using it, I set it back down on the table and then it sat there all night. And then the next day I picked it up and I was like, oh, you still have like 11 hours of battery. It's just it's it's yeah. pretty great. It works exactly as advertised. Yeah, this is one of those things I feel like was kind of more important in iOS earlier on that I've I'm like, yeah, of course, if you sleep it, it shouldn't like 
be dead the next time you wake it up. Wake up. Why are you not waking up? Well, I think the, so for me, because unfortunately I end up spending a lot of time in cars, uh, what I want to know, and I hope someone else will just test for me so I don't have to test it, is is sitting in like a car's cup holder the same as sitting on my desk? Because I think if it's in my pocket and I'm like walking around and it's knowing like, oh, hey, you're walking around, but if I'm going to be in a car for two or three hours and I don't want to plug it in or for whatever reason I can't plug it in, it'd be nice if it just was like, hey, he's not doing anything. I'm going to go to sleep. Yeah. So I'll I'll have to look into that one a little bit more. Yeah, it's harder for phones because like your watch, you take your watch off and if it doesn't have the skin sensor, it's like, okay, don't do anything because he's not wearing it. It's like a lot easier of a, a switch to understand. But your phone, it's like... Well, am I in a pocket? Did is he holding on to me? Like, why is it moving? Is it moving because he's in a vehicle? Like, <laughs> What's wh- where am I right now? What's happening? <laughs> but so, I'm sure the smart people will figure it out. <laughs> get on it, smart people. But yeah, I'm I'm really happy with it. It's uh, I I did buy it straight from Google, which was a little bit of a bummer. I wanted to just do it through T-Mobile, so I'm back on T-Mobile. Um, one tiny drawback is that because you can't buy it directly through T-Mobile and some weirdness with T-Mobile's network, uh, one of their bands I don't have access to. So that's going to like mildly impact my service, but it doesn't impact me at home, which is where the phone is most of the time since I work from home. Yeah. So I don't, it turns out I don't care. <laughs> but I think uh, there's, they're in talks, like they're trying to Google and T-Mobile Harmony figure it out. Yeah. You didn't want to join Project Fee? <laughs> no, and I'll tell you why, actually. I have a legitimate reason. If you port your Google Voice number to Project Fee, then it like changes how Google Voice behaves. And Google Voice is my primary number, and I like the way it changes. And I don't remember exactly what the changes are, but I remember when I looked at them, they were like, this is what you give up if you move this over to Project Fee. I was like, eh, no, (laughs) that would be enough of an impact that I'm not willing to deal with it. So I stuck with uh, my my family plan. You know, got to be dollar conscious, Mike. It's tough times. (laughs) Uh, Anything else? Any final words with your 6P review? Um... Any inflammatory things that The Verge would say that you want to say here? <laughs> that I want to try and get the, the clickbait <laughs> comment first? I mean, it's no iPhone. It's, it is no iPhone. I, You know what I realized, <laughs> though, with all the HTC shenanigans that just happened? So HTC, we can find comparison screenshots. They released a phone that looks almost exactly like the iPhone. And that wouldn't be quite as big of a deal if the entire marketing campaign was be original. <laughs> which just seems like a poor choice um i don't know if they're like being run by the producers over there and they're trying to make the company collapse so that somebody can like get a big payday <laughs> trying to get an insurance yeah it's, it's something like burn the house down and then collect the insurance money <laughs> but i didn't realize that on a metal phone which the iphone's been doing for a long time those little plasticky stripes are so the phone can like you know function like that's where the antennas are and on the 6P, uh, the little periscope part on top, which, by the way, in person, for anybody who hasn't seen it in person, is not nearly as dramatic as it looks in photographs. 
in photographs, it looks like the phone is shaped like an L. And in person, it's just a little tiny. Yeah. I mean, it's like a millimeter bump. It's super, super tiny. I read that too, that like in practice, it doesn't yeah. matter. It, if you didn't look for it, you might not even notice it. Um, but it so that part at the top there is plastic where the camera is. And they also crammed a bunch of guts in there. Um, I think the NFC is up there. Um, a couple other like antenna related things. The NSA is up there. The NSA is up there right next to... That's how they collect your information. It's coming in toward the (laughs) NFC radio and they just grab it. But yeah, I'm I'm really happy with it. It's I've gotten used to the size. Um, I did buy the uh, we don't care what happened to it, we'll still replace it insurance (laughs) just because I really didn't want to put a case on a phone this size. But I was was worried like, well, it's metal. Is it going to be slippery? And then it turned out I have to do my wacky pinch grip that I'll try and get a photo of for you. Um, <laughs> but it's not, it's really not that bad. Like the back isn't perfectly flat and the sides are um, not rounded. They're not chamfered. <laughs> God, is you it, can't, uh, you so can't is say it, that word without feeling like a schmuck. Is the, the finish on the metal like grippier? It's not like slick ice it's rink. It's more towards slick than grippy, but it's not polished to a fine smooth edge is it kind of like macbook pro metal yes i'd say i mean i held it but yeah, I don't I'd, remember. i'd say it's a lot like that it's it's not the mirror shield from ocarina of time it's it's got enough <laughs> of a grip and because the screen part is flat so when you're holding it you do have one 90 degree edge that your hand is like in contact with so it's, it's good i you know knock on something i haven't dropped it yet um i will eventually and hopefully i'm just like near a computer then i can get my (laughs) replacement set when that happens and i'm not like hiking in the middle of nowhere yeah i'm 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 happy i'm really i'm i'm really happy with this phone it's the comparison to how pissy i was getting about my old phone that makes it feel so night and day like i think if i'd come from the nexus 5 or uh, um if i'd come directly from like a moto x I wouldn't be nearly as like, oh my God, it's the most amazing <laughs> phone ever. But because I had that crazy stop in the middle, although to Samsung's credit, they did teach me to live fingerprint life. That was it. That was their one good deed. Good job. Good job, <laughs> Samsung. So you recently redid your website. Yeah. So I, I had my website on Squarespace. Um, that happened primarily because I wanted a nice looking portfolio without thinking about it. And so I, I signed up, I had an education discount. I threw a bunch of videos and pictures in a nice little template they had. I got a new job and now I was like, okay, I'm ready to like take responsibility for my website <laughs> again. And I mean, I've got like eight more months of Squarespace already purchased, but I'm like, I'm not going to long-term Squarespace it. That was just a means to an end at the time, which, you know, for that purpose was great. Like I would totally recommend Squarespace for lots of people, especially anyone who doesn't want to code or deal with um, the the techier side of manning a website. Um, But I wanted to join the uh, master race of static publishing. Welcome. And, uh, you know, I'm by no means early in this. I'm one of the last. (laughs) But um, I really, you know, my goals were really to... uh, get to write flat text files and somehow have a blog appear after that. And uh, so I, I followed the easy, low resistance path of just letting GitHub pages run my website and uh, using Jekyll. 
And uh, it's pretty amazing how easy it is. A couple terminal commands, and then you get a folder. You you, you know you sync your repo to your computer, and then you're just writing markdown files, and you're done. And that's awesome, and it feels great, and I'm really happy. <laughs> <laughs> I, it was kind of a funny evening because I, I wrote you in Slack and was like, "Hey, can you help me do this?" I you know like I think I tried it a while back and like didn't look very hard and was just kind of like, oh, I don't want to have to think about it. But then after I asked you for help and I like just started digging in and I was like, just kidding. I got this. Well, that, So from my point of view, here's how that happened. I was doing something. I was either like working or I was with my family or in the middle of something, but like I saw your message, but I couldn't really act on it. And then there was like a little bit of a lull and I was like, Oh yeah, I'll help you with that later. And then by the time I got back to my computer, you were like, hot figured it out. And I was just like, that is the best kind of support interaction you can possibly have with someone <laughs> Yeah, where you just say like, yeah, I'm totally willing to help you with this. Oh, it's already done. Oh, you needed me to help you paint your house, but you painted it while I was walking over. <laughs> okay, no, we're good. Yeah, I mean, that that is the best support interaction. And I, I mean, I didn't want to be a, a needy tech friend. It was more like, <laughs> last time I tried this, I didn't figure it out. And since you've already done it, I'll just lean on that. But then... It was like, ah, I can figure this out. And, you know, it turns out one of the early things I did wrong was I didn't create a GitHub repo called username.github.io. And that's like step number one. So once I was like, oh, I didn't even do that. Okay, I'm going to go through these instructions myself. Yeah, it's for someone who's never used Git, it's still pretty darn approachable. So if you're familiar with like a little bit of HTML and a little bit of CSS, the biggest hurdle I don't think would be Git. I think it would be learning like the templating engine in Jekyll. And there's a yeah. lot of pre-built uh, templates and the one that ships with Jekyll is actually not that bad. Um, so it's a, it's a serviceable tool, but it's imposing enough that you're kind of like, well, it's, I can't call Jekyll support if this doesn't work. Yeah. But I mean, that's sort of what you're agreeing to get into when you when you do GitHub pages is you're deliberately opting out of the Squarespace WordPress world where you get those kinds of handholding. Yeah. But well, and and you uh, and I see it's even in your notes here. So I'll let, I'll let you gush about why you did this. But it's like for me, if I didn't do my blog in, in Jekyll, um, I would spend a lot less time in HTML and CSS. And that's something because it's not part of my work, it, it helps me like kind of keep my feet wet. But for you, it actually is part of your work. So why'd you make the switch? So, I mean, the number one thing is I wanted to write blog posts in Markdown, which if you don't know Markdown, it's just one of the coolest things on earth, even though it's a, a mess because the guy who created it is a jerk. We <laughs> argued about this a long time ago. But creator aside, it's an awesome thing. And it's a really nice way to, to write you know, rich text in a human readable way without dealing with code or, or, uh, you know, WYSIWYGs. Um, that was my main thing is like, I want to write Markdown. I want my blog to be Markdown. That way, if I port it anywhere else, it's even if it's not a Markdown supported service, the pain is so much lower. There's not like, Hey Mike, how do you export your blog? My blog are just text files, so it doesn't matter. There's no export button I need. Um, so that was, you know, number one motivation, but, um, you know, running your website as a GitHub repo means you have versioning built in. It's just part of your life. So I like that because, you know, as I tweak themes and do stuff, I don't have to document as a separate step what I changed. It's just part of the way the platform exists. So that's cool. And, uh, you know, 
GitHub is one of those things that's supported in a million different ways from command lines and, you know, dev environments anywhere to apps on every mobile platform. So what that means is I don't lose the ability to publish from literally anywhere. And, you know, I, I got an app for iOS called Working Copy, which manages Git repos. And with a very, very low price, you unlock the remote repo ability of it. And uh, so now I can publish from my iPad pretty easily. So it's it's just kind of, it's fun as a techie. It's made my blog more portable. So no matter what I want to do in the future, that's easy to do. And I'm not paying Squarespace. So that's cool. Well, I remember when I first started doing uh, Jekyll publishing or like kind of tinkering with it, which was a while ago. And I sort of, I went back and forth and I waffled a little bit, but it's, it's uh, really not that difficult if all of a sudden you were like, oh, I want to use Bluehost or you know, who, some other flat file service for whatever reason, then you just compile locally and upload the compiled version instead of syncing the uncompiled <laughs> yeah. repo to GitHub. So it's it's not like you're marrying into GitHub pages to use Jekyll, even though that's like what it was originally for. Um, static site generators, like we use Markdown to make Sunrise Robot, which is, or not Markdown, uh, Middleman, and, you know, to make Sunrise Robot, which is another like really popular one. And and there, I'm sure there are dozens and dozens of others. And there's even uh, Octopress, which builds on top yeah. of Jekyll. And there's a lot of benefits. Like, even just while you were talking, I was clicking around your website, and it's wicked fast. Like, so, yeah. so fast. Which, you know, as much as Squarespace tries to talk about the muscle, you know, we've got a huge cloud infrastructure that loads your, like, doesn't matter. It's still doing a million database calls every time you go to your page. And now when you go to my website, it's just like, man, that's all it is. <laughs> yeah. And and even uh, I, I went to a couple of posts that I guessed would probably have images in them. And because the image is the heaviest thing on the page, it's like, oh, it took... 400 milliseconds for that to load instead of a hundred milliseconds for that to load. Like it's still super, <laughs> super fast. I don't know. I don't know why a technical person would ever choose WordPress other than I need a bunch of WordPressy stuff. Cause there's like yeah. all kinds of plugins and SEO nonsense and you can plug in e-commerce platforms and all that sort of stuff. But honestly, if you were going to do all that, Oh my God, just use Squarespace. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I really don't know, and I think we talked about the WordPress API, but I don't know what they're gonna do. Like Squarespace, I think is gonna big time eat their lunch, and competitors like Squarespace. Yeah, I mean, what WordPress does is, if you don't want to use their hosted platform, it's a thing that businesses and even some enterprise level companies might serve their website on. Um, I think WordPress is running like a significant percentage of the web now. And so that they're kind of entrenched, I think, is their main thing. It is. But I mean, I would say by the time Squarespace has a major competitor, I could believe they would be the one where we're saying like, oh, my God, why would you need all that Squarespace craft? You can just use Flurgetiflorgan, the new sexy web page making <laughs> service. And, and yeah. I just like flat files have been around since version 0, 0.0 of the web and still working great. I mean, you know me, not everything has to be set in stone. In fact, I usually hate things that are permanently unchanged forever, but it's kind of nice to know like, hey, if I want to type words into a box, uh, those words will still be readable later. 
I can always open Markdown files because they're just raw text. You don't need any kind of proprietary editor. That's actually for you. That's probably another thing that you and, and other technical people really like is if you are trying to get better with keyboard shortcuts in like Sublime Text, you can write your blog post in Sublime Text. Yeah. Well, I've started and I mean, I've never had a programming job. And so I've never had an excuse to explore this a long time ago. <laughs> um, but I started using snippets and, you know, bread and butter. If you're a programmer, of course, you're going to use snippets. You're going to have little templated code that you reuse over and over. And you just want a quick way to, you know, I want to change the variable name, but I want to use that block over and over like that kind of stuff. Okay. And just for some of my markdown, you know, oh, I, I want to put a link in. And I don't want to have to think about the, you know, I know the link, you know, the short code to do links and markdown by heart, but typing in is a pain sometimes. <laughs> um, so I type MD link tab, and then instantly a link is ready to go with uh, temp, with just like oh, placeholder text. It, yeah. Nice. Yeah. And so that's built into Sublime. And I also got, um, I did some research and on iOS, one of the best apps that I've ever seen for this kind of stuff is called Editorial. It's, you know, it's a, it's a text editor, but it has built in snippets and workflows and automation that you can do. And so, you know, I added in, um, you know, all the markdown stuff and also like Jekyll uses YAML, you know, front matter, they call it, or, you know, some of the template pages have some YAML stuff. And so I just added some, you know, snippets for that. So when I create a new blog post, I type MD title, press tab, and my whole title template appears so I can add the title on my post and the description and all that, sh all that crap. So <laughs> good save. <laughs> preemptively didn't make you edit that. Oh, uh, you're episode. a bad man. <laughs> um, um, anyway, so it's fun that even on iOS, like, you know, I can have my same shortcuts for quickly, you know, it's especially a pain if I, for some reason, want to write a blog post on my phone, which, you know, even if I would joke about it, I still might do that sometime. Um, it's nice to have those snippets so that I can quickly add the markdown elements I use a lot. Yeah. When I first left, uh, Jekyll to go back to, I think WordPress, the thing that made me do it was I was at conferences and I would see like these people all over like blogging from the WordPress, you know, mobile app, or they had, you know, they would remote into it from whatever computer they happen to have with them. And I was like, Oh man, that's so handy. And then I really had to be honest with myself and was like, do I need to be able to do that? And not only like, is that probably a solved problem? And today, you know, this is years later, but today it definitely is a solved problem. But at the time it was like, do I, I'm not a journalist. Like I don't need to be able to report from the field. As long as I can get the thoughts out of my head into something, I can get them into their published, uh, you know, format and then actually publish it out to the web later. I actually just had this very thing happen to me. So I was on a plane. I was using plain Wi-Fi, which sometimes is awesome. Sometimes it's real garbage. And <laughs> I wanted to update my blog. And I hadn't uh, published from my laptop since I refreshed it. And my terminal said, hey, dude, uh, we don't know what Jekyll is. And I was like, crap, <laughs> I don't have that gem installed. So I went to install it and the Wi-Fi went, ah, no, so it was just like, <laughs> there was no way it was going to figure all that out and run over crappy satellite in-flight Wi-Fi. Um, yeah. So I had to wait till I landed and then forgot for two days and then... And the whole world ended, it, right? It did. <laughs> and then I used a magic wish to make everybody forget and bring them all back and it was fine. <laughs> 
but you know, there was a lot of work in between those two things. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't see myself publishing from the phone, but I, just as a geeky person, I like that I can. Totally. <laughs> that's really all I'm proving is nothing else, but like, I can do this. <laughs> I haven't tried a uh, a mobile Git client. How do you, how do you feel? Have you actually tried it? Like, how do you feel about it? So the one I'm using is called Working Copy, and it works great. I mean, you it you can connect it to your GitHub account, so it just gets a token from GitHub, and w- that all works out fine. Then you just clone your repository, and it's got you know it's like an iPad style interface. So the left side is your file list, and your right side is either the file you're looking at, or changes, or status, whatever, like different little screens for. Um, whether you need to merge or fetch or all that stuff. And it, it works fine. It's easy. Um, it's kind of like the GitHub for Mac app. It's just a GUI for GitHub. Oh, okay. I have a... Uh, I'm not using any mobile Git clients, but I do all of my blog stuff as well as being in Git for the publishing side is also in Dropbox. So I realized I would do a little bit more writing on my phone or tablet if I could get it into Dropbox without having to use Dropbox's god-awful text editor. And there's yeah. a uh, a tool called IA Writer, which um, Mac people and, and iOS people have just been, like, singing the praises of forever and ever and ever. So I liked that app five years ago. They, like, created a pro version, and it sucked. Really? Yeah, and uh, I don't even use the original version anymore. Um, I, th- I think, at least on iOS, it, life has moved <laughs> on. Uh, people are using ByWord, or I mentioned Editorial. If you want one for your iPad, get Editorial. Well, I got, I mean, first off, I didn't have to pay for it, which is always nice. But I got IA Writer for, it was 5 bucks on my phone. And all I really care about is that it's Markdown first, and it syncs with Dropbox. I was like, everything yeah. else, all the other features that may be involved are like quadentary. Like they're they're so <laughs> unimportant to me because I want the files to live in Dropbox. I want to write in Markdown. And if I have a file in Dropbox that's already ending with dot Markdown, I want to be able to open it. And that was the problem I had with the Dropbox text editor. They may have fixed this since then, but you would create a new file in Dropbox and it's like start a new text file. And they were like, yup. And then it'd be like, name this file. And I would name it whatever dot markdown. And then I would go to open it and it would go, no, we don't know what that is. <laughs> I thought you wanted a text file. And I'm like, asshole, that is a text yeah. file. <laughs> Just read the text. So if I were to give two app recommendations, I don't know about Android. You're going to have to find other people that know. <laughs> um, but either one writer, which is five bucks, or editorial, which I think might be 10 bucks. Um, but they both sync with Dropbox and they're both really good. I mean, I could always check it out on my iPad and see, but I don't, my iPad has a lot of specific uses in my life. None of which are writing because if I'm somewhere where my iPad is and I needed to do writing, I am probably also where my laptop is. It's really unusual that I'm away from my laptop, but also have my iPad for some reason which yeah. is probably not the way they envisioned people using iPads. I mean, I just did a quick Google for Android ones, and this article's two years old, but they look like nice apps, so I think you got some options. You, you'll have to Slack that to me so I can review them. Yes. Anyway, the moral of the story is Markdown is awesome. 
creator aside <laughs> and people should use it. Should we just start saying common mark to distance it from him? Or does that actually <laughs> reference even more like internet whining and complaining? <laughs> yeah, well, now you've got another annoying person involved. Um, no, I'm. it's marked down. I mean... There's a million different ways that different different forks interpret it, but it's still good. So other than the the mobile Git stuff, which it seems like you've pretty much got worked out, are there any, do you feel any limitations coming from something as robust as Squarespace to something as simple as plain text files? Are you, do you feel like you're giving anything up or you're just like, no, nah, I'm good? No, because... Uh... I mean, I have full access to the template and the CSS, so I can make it look like anything I want. Um, so, and I'm I'm really not doing. I'm not running a business on this. I'm not doing any e-commerce, so I really don't feel like I need all that nonsense of Squarespace. And <laughs> like, I really want a blog. I'm ba- I'm writing, and I'm gonna have like a page for my portfolio and a page for my music. But that's going to be iframe embeds. I mean, that's really or just images and stuff. So it's it's pretty simple. Yeah. Also, things that the internet has pretty much figured out: pointing yeah. to other websites and showing images. <laughs> yeah. that's, web technology has nailed that down. So I mean, the other thing you get with uh, this kind of static publishing with a tool like Jekyll is I can on my Mac fire up Terminal and start serving on the local host. And I can do full, you know, I could do that on a plane without bad, sketchy plane Wi-Fi and do my development offline, which, you know, isn't fancy for tech people, but is a change when you move from Squarespace where literally everything has to be clicked through the website, which takes forever. Yeah, no, that's very true. I, uh, I'm surprised. I know I'm like super reliant on the internet, but if I'm away from network for whatever reason, you know, in a plane, bad service area, hotel without wi- good Wi-Fi, whatever it is, I have to really rack my brain to be like, what can I do right now without Wi-Fi? Like, I look at my list of projects because I'm still living, getting things done life. And like, I look at my list of projects and all the things that I have available to me. And I'm like, which of these can I do and do well with no internet access? Like it's, it's kind of like if you're like, well, I'm going to do chores around the house. Oh wait, there's no electricity. Like that would really change (laughs) what you were going to do. Right. It's like, well, I can still sweep, but I can't vacuum, you know, I can do the dishes, but not with hot water. Like it's, it's really amazing how kind of spoiled we are really like we have good (laughs) internet damn near everywhere. But I do like, being able to blog and write blog posts without <laughs> having to open up some giant heavyweight, like, oh, let's show you a bunch of statistics and a million buttons, and here's a thing just for SEO. And I'm like, ah, I just want a box to type words in, stop. Yeah. I think we need to talk about Linkle. Linkle. Is it Linkle? Is it, it's Linkle, right? It's Linkle. It's not Linkle or Linkl. <laughs> Linkl. Linkle. Linkle. What is, what is up with this? <laughs> so there's a, a game Nintendo put out a while back for the Wii U called Hyrule Warriors. And it was basically, uh, what what is that game based on? It's like a... Dynasty Warriors. Yeah, it's Dynasty yeah, Warriors. It's literally with, that game. Yeah, I just couldn't think of it. There's been like 10 Dynasty Warriors games. And finally, they're like, what if we slap Nintendo characters on it for extra sales? They've probably been and begging it, them for those licensing rights <laughs> since like Dynasty Warriors 2. 
And Nintendo's like, we can just give them rights and then a game happens that sells. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Um, so they're making a 3DS version of the game. And on the most recent Nintendo Direct from mid-November, uh, um, they announced this and, you know, we're showing off all the characters. You can be whatever the pirate version of Zelda was from Wind Waker. Um, forget the character's oh, name. Oh, God, what was her name? Yeah, her. Was it Tetra? Yeah, I think so. Score. Never even played that game. <laughs> <laughs> um, you should. I have it for Wii U. You don't have a Wii U. Never mind. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, they they in the midst of announcing this game and showing off all of the existing characters you could be, they are like, and we've got a new character. It's this character named Linkle, and she's from a small village, and she uses a double crossbows, and she's got a kick-ass kicking ability, and blah, blah, blah. And uh, she looks kind of like Link... But it's a girl. It's and it's obvious. They even say she looks kind of familiar. Like it's <laughs> it's obviously girl link. And uh, the internet kind of erupted after this with, um, you know, basically criticizing Nintendo for you didn't create a, a proper female character. You did the the cliche or as a feminist frequency calls it, Miss Male character. So Miss Pac Man. You know, she's the gendered one. She gets lipstick, but otherwise she's based on Pac-Man. Pac-Man's canonical. He doesn't need gender. Yeah, he, do, he doesn't wear a, a tie, but she yeah. wears a bow. Yeah. And so um, Linkle is following in that path. And, uh, you know, I mean, Nintendo for a long time is, you know, I would say they have a weak history of gender inclusiveness. I mean, um, the Mario Brothers game, the, literally the screen that says princesses in another castle and the plot <laughs> of every single Mario game is basically a poster child for damseling females in games. And so I'd say even though Nintendo is generally a very friendly, inclusive company, they have a weakness here. And I don't think Linkle changes that very much. Now, so I've been having this discussion with various people and it, it's, you know, different people have very different takes on it. But my main thing that I've been seeing over and over is people were saying, you know, why can't Link just be a girl? Like, can't you just make a game where Link is a girl? And my, to be perfectly honest, my gut reaction to that was like, no, you can't because the character is a boy. And then I saw, I wish I had the link for it. I think it was on Reddit, which is also amazing because it was like level-headed discussion on Reddit. But <laughs> someone said, no, it is acceptable to make Link a girl because Link is not a person. Link is like a title. Yeah. Right? Like Link is the hero of time and sometimes he's the hero of boats and sometimes he's the hero of whatever. Yeah. And the little known fact from people who aren't heavy gamers is Link is a different person in every single Zelda game, unless it's explicitly described as being a continuation. Right, which has only happened, I think, like once or twice. Yeah. So I, that's really, to me, like as a, a fan of fictional works, that is significant to me because a title can pass to someone of a different race or a different gender and... As soon as that was pointed out to me, I was like, yes, that is, no, that's totally right. It's a different person each time, so there's no reason it couldn't be a girl or a, a man of a different race. They kind of only have white people in The Legend of Zelda, but, <laughs> you know, but the, yeah, there's no reason that the hero of time couldn't be someone other than what we think of as, like, white male, pointy ears, blonde hair, or purple yeah. hair, depending on which game you're playing. <laughs> um, and it's kind of like the same argument was made for uh, the Doctor and Doctor Who. Like, the Doctor, when he regenerates, like, he's not... It, he could be anything. Like, he could be yeah. a, a young-looking black woman or an old Hispanic man. Like, he, he doesn't have to be, 
like between 28 and 58 white male. So I, I think that makes a lot of sense. But at the same time, I do wonder, like, I don't, is there benefit to just taking an existing character that's not title based and, and just doing like gender swap? Like that to me feels like more of a cop out. Like if, if they made a game where Mario was a woman and, and Princess Peach was a man. It's Maria and... Yeah, Maria and... Jim Peach. <laughs> Jim Peach. <laughs> Princess Frank Peach. Um, but that to me feels like, instead of creating new characters and saying like, hey, females can be heroes and, and men sometimes need women to save them and, and it's not this all one direction gender roles, just doing the, the gender swap feels basically like what this feels like with Lincoln. Just like, Hey, look girls. It's like, (laughs) no, that's not helping anyone. You're actually calling more attention to the problem by adding to it instead of calling attention to the problem by fixing it. I mean, it's not as atrocious as like, um, any of like the, the peach or Daisy focused games that are just like, what if I collected cupcakes and hopped around (laughs) on clouds? And you're kind of like, all right, Nintendo, like you made a platform that's way easier, which is also kind of insulting. (laughs) (laughs) And, and so like, it's like not as bad as some of those games, but it's still like, it's not a strong, it's not a strong addition. in, In one of the, um, the princess peach games where you actually play as her isn't one of her weapons literally crying <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure I don't, I don't think i'm making this up i i will try and find youtube footage of this but i feel like in one of the games you can use like different emotions and one of them is sadness and it's just her crying and it's like they would never ever 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 make that one of mario's powers this is a yeah. character who can turn into a statue and dress up as a kitty cat but they would never be like Mario crying as a superpower. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, even just like in Smash Brothers, she's using hearts to attack or um, like her super attacks are heart based or. Yeah, at least in, just in of... Smash Brothers, like she is actually as formidable as like any other character. Yeah. And and this is I, I think this actually came up once before. When with we were, her parasol. <laughs> with her. It, she has a frying pan, too. Um, but I think we. uh <laughs> Yes, I know that absolutely plays into the stereotype. <laughs> um, I, I think we talked about this once before, but I feel like uh, you shouldn't have to get rid of all of the traditional girly stuff. The problem is there's nothing to like balance it out. Like, it's fine that Princess Peach wears pink and that she's like girly and there are hearts and that she also can kick butt in, in the right arena. Um, but then there's when you say like, Oh, we'll list some like girl characters who aren't in any of those traditional stereotypes. And your list is like, uh, <laughs> one Lara of the fire Croft. emblem people. <laughs> yeah. Not really Lara Croft though. Cause she then caters to other terrible stereotypes about women. <laughs> well, until the, the reboots new one. are a little less bad. The, the yeah. reboots are a lot better. Um, they, yeah, it's, it's, you can't, have it all one way or all the other way. Like both of those extremes, like extremes always are, are bad. Like you need some middle ground. So with, uh, did you ever play Hyrule Warriors? No. Okay. Do you feel like, uh, I know Benji did. Maybe we should ask him to comment on it. Well, I'm, I'm mostly just curious. Like this is the character, the character Lingle who seems like Nintendo was trying to do the right thing and just did it with like 
no actual like women in the room to say, Hey, maybe this is a bad <laughs> idea. So like, uh, let's try and give them the benefit of the doubt and assume their heart was in the right place and they just completely whiffed. It's also sort of insulting that they relegated her to a spinoff of a spinoff of their main series franchise. Yeah. It wasn't like, just kidding, the new official Zelda game uses Linkle. You are Linkle. Deal with it, Gamer Gators. Yeah, which, speaking of them and the internet in general, uh, with all this discussion around Linkle, a lot of people were saying like, hey, you know, we haven't really learned that much about the Wii U Zelda that's coming out. Maybe the main character is going to be a girl. Maybe you mostly play a Zelda. Like, we don't know. They just pull a right in. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Midway through, like Link just gets captured, and then Zelda Wand of Camelon. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what Gen ends up to. <laughs> but I mean, it's it's true that you, we don't know enough about the game to say that that's not going to happen. But it's also but it's not going to happen. Yeah, it's, it's tremendously <laughs> unlikely. The reason I bring it up is because of the sheer vitriol whenever anyone mentions that as a possibility in on an internet forum like oh what if in the new one it's a girl and it's just like hate 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 yeah. raining down and i don't uh nintendo <laughs> has like so much money in the bank and so many people with hard-earned dollars to spend on their games want these kinds of changes is it really i mean when you're a publicly traded company can they just not justify the risk can they really not just say like, hey, in the new Zelda, you play a Zelda because Link is a big bitch and Zelda has to go <laughs> save him. Gender roles reversed. Ha ha. Deal with it. Give us your $60. Like, can they yeah. really just not do that? Or can they not just say, hey, Zelda is still a girl, but the main character Link also a girl. Ha ha. Just deal with it. Like, yeah. Frozen. We're frozening this. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like, I mean, I don't need Zelda to make Link a girl. We know the universe supports it in terms of what Link is defined as. And so it'd be fine if they did. Um, it'd also be fine if they want to just create a new series and just say, here's a, a girl hero that, you know, isn't just a man, but also isn't a stereotypical, you know, sexist view of what a woman is. And, uh, you know, they could do that. They could also fix Samus and like actually not let Tecmo ever touch it ever again. <laughs> and they did so good with that football game. You got to just keep giving them chances. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Is, is, that, is that all the goodwill towards Tecmo is because of the Ness Super Bowl game? It's where my familiarity with their successes ends. Starts and ends. <laughs> no Team Ninja. Um, I mean, Samus is a great character. I mean, you could argue that boy gamers only accept her because you didn't know she was female until and if you played the game really good you got to see her mostly nude right so it still kind of failed on that level of like <laughs> good job male gamer here's a bikini yeah which i thought it was cool like when you because i think if you beat it in like under four hours she like just takes her helmet off and then if it's under three hours then she's like totally out of the suit or something but i kind of like the just helmet removal because then it's like a big F you to the stereotypes around male gamers is it's like, ha ha, the hero all this time was a girl. You were playing a girl. You empathized with a girl. <laughs> See, you can empathize with women. But then it's like, yeah, but if you perform a little bit better, you get like a show. And that's just like, oh, uh, you, you're so close. Yeah. You almost had like the right message. 
man. But so many good Metroid games. Pretty much every single one is pretty much a great game. But then Team Ninja comes along and is like, what if we made her weak and submissive? Ugh. And... Like, show her in attractive clothing all the time. And you're just like, Nintendo, how much did you just burn? Like, Well, this okay, so there, that's a perfect example. They took a risk, let somebody else screw around with their IP, and it went really poorly. So, but as a company, it's not like it broke them, right? So here you go, Nintendo. Combine what you learned from that experience with what the public is saying they want. Keep control of the IP yourself, but do the right thing. You know, make a female hero. Don't reduce uh, Zelda to always being Peach. Like, you already have Peach. It's okay that Peach is Peach, but in the Zelda universe, because Zelda's, like, reinvented every new game, just like Link is reinvented every new game, because they're generations of millennia apart, like, it would be a lot easier to say this version of Zelda is the hero. Like, you can't really do that with peach without fundamentally changing the character because there's only one peach right yeah <laughs> thank, you. <laughs> thank you for sending that to me did you yeah see that so one the- of the <laughs> one of the links in our show notes is that there's already an awesome gallery of linkle fan art and uh these are really nice really well done some are like watercolor some are like anime uh, most of them are like anime um <laughs> but this one is uh linkle going well excuse me princess <laughs> You know what I like the most about that particular one is the first time I saw that it was with the caption. It was in part. In, in fact, it might be one of these other articles, but the whole thing was like, you know, come on, you can do this, Nintendo. We believe in you. And then the caption said something like, "You can't do anything to ruin Zelda. You haven't already done." <laughs> and it and it had that fan art under it, and then it, it had another one that I don't see in the list. I'll try and find it, but it's. It's uh, the wand of Gamelon Link face, but Linkle, <laughs> like in the same crappy Mario paint style of, of like yeah. spray brush and solid colors. <laughs> yeah, you should find that. I, I will. I'll find that one. I'll get it. In <laughs> yeah, it's true. Notes. If Zelda can survive those CDI games, it can survive probably anything. Yeah, that's I mean, that is the nuclear explosion of bad games, bad story, <laughs> bad music, bad game design, bad everything. Thanks for <laughs> continuing to send me these <laughs> terrible <laughs> images. Um, but yeah, yeah, I just, I I don't know. I've never been in charge of a multi-billion dollar multinational company, but it really feels like someone in the company, maybe Reggie needs to get his body ready He's a man. Just, just do it. <laughs> just make the decision. Yeah, or Bill Brennan, whatever that guy's name uh, is, that's on the Nintendo Direct. Yeah, I don't know. I am curious though. I, I would love to hear from from anybody. It would be nice if they were women, because I feel like the we're running the risk of being white men talking about feminism. <laughs> but I am genuinely curious. Like, is is the the goal to have powerful female characters or is like a gender swap good enough and i i think the gender swap seems like a cop-out like chick link is not like eh, it just seems really lazy it's not really it's like you can't be the hero but you can dress like the hero you can be hero adjacent I mean, Link is, again, this is kind of a, a weird example because each Link is different, so some future Link could be a girl. But I think it would be weird to just rewrite 
like Ocarina of Time and say like, oh, and this one Link is a girl. And it's like, no, in that story, Link was a boy. You just needlessly changed it as a lazy, like, uh, like you're giving scraps to people who want strong female yeah. characters. Well, this is, what's amazing to me is Link already has lots of arguably feminine features or, you know, in, in certain artist renditions, like is kind of androgynous sometimes. And so, like, why couldn't you have just made him female at some point? Oh, and and almost definitely the most gender bent uh, cosplay. Like every every yes. Comic Con, there's always a slew of women dressed as Link because if you don't have overwhelmingly male or female features, then you can go as Link. Like skinny guy yeah. who's not particularly muscular, you can cosplay as Link. Like skinny girl yeah. who's not overly curvy, you can go as Link. Like. <laughs> Everyone can be Link, which really plays to the whole point of the silent protagonist, doesn't it? Like, yes. like anyone can identify with the hero if you are a blonde, straight, white boy, which uh, I don't know. I feel like this is Nintendo has all the power here. They can do this. <laughs> like, I made the mistake of looking up Girl Link cosplay. And <laughs> Um, no comment. No, no but... links in the show notes for that one. <laughs> no, there's uh, some other Zelda characters, and you're just like, why did you do this? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. That's. I think we're we're done here. Yeah, I think we're done. <laughs> all right. You can find show notes for this episode uh, at sonazrobot slash flipping table slash ninety four. I'm totally. I'm totally just out of it. Right now. You need to close that. <laughs> I need. Hang on. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go into Slack and I'm gonna do slash collapse. There we go. <laughs> I can resume my life now. Um. Yeah. Show notes for this episode, as always, sunriserobot.net slash flipping table slash ninety four. Mike and I both love feedback. Anybody who has something constructive to say about Linkle, I would love to hear from. Um, if you're a guy and you have something constructive to say, that's fine. But please don't just tweet at us a bunch with like, oh, Link is a boy. Like that's, We've heard that argument. That's done. And you can find me at Lines in Beta and Mike, you are M. Edwards Music. If you want to do a little bit to help the show out, you can always just tell a friend. That's awesome. But if you want to help tell strangers, you can go into iTunes, leave a review and a rating that helps people find it, helps it show up in their podcast search results and all that SEO goodness and uh, you can always make sure you get new episodes delivered to you every week by subscribing. And uh, you can do that on your mobile device by just pressing that iTunes or that RSS button. And then, boom, you got flipping tables in your podcatcher every week. If you want to support us directly, you can go to patreon.com slash sunrise robot. And then depending on the level you support us at, you might get your name shouted out at the end of the show. So with that, I want to give a special thanks to Matt Mariner, Sean Byrne, Benji Robinson, and Lincoln Cunningham. We could not do it without you. We love you all so much. Woo! See you next week. Woo!